Um, if you have a Bible with you, would you like to turn to Psalm 125? If you don't have a Bible with you, then don't worry that the scripture references that we look at should come up on the stage. It's on the stage, on the, on the screen. Like Tom said, we're going to spend a little bit of time in God's Word before we uh, worship and respond to, uh, to conclude. And we're going to look at Psalm 125 today in uh, the series that we've been doing uh, in the Songs of Ascent, this collection of psalms uh, towards the end of the book of Psalms, uh, which we've called uh, Walking with God. Um, and uh, so I'm going to read Psalm 125, which we'll then begin to look at. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forevermore. The scepter of the wicked will not remain over the land allotted to the righteous, for then the righteous might use their hands to do evil. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good, to those who are upright in heart. But to those who turn to crooked ways, the Lord will banish with the evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. How can we be secure in a world where there are so many uncertainties, so many unknowns, so many variables, how can we be secure? For the people of God, under the old covenant, singing these songs as they walked to to Jerusalem for one of the uh, feasts, they faced uh, a life full of threats and danger, Um, even practically walking on this journey to Jerusalem, there would be the, the potential for ambush or attack. When Jesus shared the, the parable um, of the Good Samaritan, there was a man who was walking uh, to or from Jer- Jericho, I forget now. Um, and Jesus, in, in telling that story, says how the man was set upon by a, a group of bandits. Nobody responding or hearing Jesus at the time would have gone, what do you mean? What are you talking about? It was a, a known reality or experience. Life was uncertain. Um, if people lived in a city like Jerusalem, that city would have big walls, big defences to, to keep danger or dangerous unknown people um, out. So life was full of uncertainties. They had no welfare state, they had no NHS, so in terms of health um, and in terms of their own prosperity life was full of uncertainties, what would the harvest be like this year, what would the weather be like this year, Um, what's happening in these other kingdoms and nations that are around us, are they poised to attack us Um, so life was full of uncertainties, it may be a little bit different for us now but We can still ask ourselves the same question. How can we be secure in a world which is so uncertain? We don't know the future. We don't know what will uh, happen. We we hear reports of 
of terrorist activity in different cities, in different nations, in different parts of the world, uh, we wonder what will happen in the future. Uh, This week we have a referendum for the nation to decide should we remain a part of the European Union or should we leave um, the European Union. And there's great concern for people who take either view. What will the implications be if we remain, or what will the implications be if we if uh, if we leave? Um, maybe some forecasts are done. In 15 years' time, this is likely to be the situation. But well, how certain can we be of those predictions? And even 15 years is such a short space of time, really, in what is quite a big decision. So it. it It invites us to feel insecure. What does the future hold? We don't know. How are things going to pan out? We don't know. The world is so uncertain. And then also, we are so uncertain. What will our health be um, in this coming year? You might be sitting exams at the moment. thinking, well, What will my performance be? How will I do? How will my exams shape my future? If I do well, what opportunities will open up for me? If, if I don't do well in these exams, what's going to become of me? Um, we, we face uncertainty about our own performance. How, how am I going to do? How am I doing? And that might not just be in exams or in tests at school, uh, but for all of us thinking, how am I how am I doing? And spiritually speaking, we can be up and down. We can be zealous one minute and passionate. Uh, and the next day, we can be unusually uh, withdrawn or down or downcast. We could be aware of the trials and temptations. You're feeling great, aren't you? You could be aware of the, the trials and temptations that other people are going through. Maybe people that we know. Maybe people in other parts of the world who we don't know. And we can ask ourselves, well, how would I cope if I was in that situation? Would I stand in my faith? Or would I kind of backslide and crumble under the pressure of what they're going through? How would I cope? Would I even fall away entirely? So, so life is full of uncertainties. And so we look for things that are certain, that are sure. We want to feel safe, don't we? Come what, come what may. Uh, the world is changing and we change as well. And so we want walking with God to be predictable. We want to know what we're dealing with and what's likely to happen. Looking through the Songs of Ascent... Psalm 120 through to Psalm 134. Uh, We notice a whole range of human emotion and human experience. We we notice times when there's great triumph and uh, and victory and celebration. We notice other times when it feels the tone of the psalm is is bleak. These psalms don't give us a neat uh, rule book. Here's exactly what will happen in all of these situations. Uh, We just notice uh, the differences. And there are times when evil seems to have the upper time, upper hand. Uh, There are times when walking with God means waiting on him and our prayers going unanswered for a lengthy season. Uh, That's what we saw 
in uh, Psalm 123. I lift up my eyes to you, to you whose throne is in heaven, as the eyes of slaves look to the hand of their master, and so on. I'm going to look to you till, till he shows us his mercy. We get to the end of the psalm, the answer hasn't come. He's still waiting, he's still watching, still trusting, still believing, still fixing his gaze on God. But aware, this magnificent answer to prayer hasn't come yet. We arrive at Psalm 124 and we see an example of someone sharing their story, sharing their testimony, David in fact, of, wow, look how God has come through for us. If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, if the Lord had not been on our side when men attacked us, we would have been overwhelmed, we would have been swallowed up, we would have been engulfed forever. We would have been been swept away. Praise be to God, he set us free. He rescued us. He didn't even just rescue us. He broke the snare that was keeping us. It's not going to trouble us again. Wonderful. It sets before us a variety of experience in what it means to walk with God. Which isn't isn't necessarily... Predictable, and and often we have to uh, we we live with the awareness of both things happening at the same time. Oh, wonderful! Our prayers have been answered, been set free from sin. Someone's got saved, or uh, healing has taken place. Wonderful, glorious! Celebrate! Let's sing a song about it. And other times, still waiting, still waiting. Let's sing a song about. What hasn't changed yet? (laughs) Let's sing a song about that which is still there. But I'm choosing to trust God. And God is is honoured by both those responses. So that when there's something to celebrate, yes, let's celebrate. Let's tell the world about it. But, but it's not overlooking the reality that often walking with God means we are, we're watching, we're waiting, we're trusting. Where nothing much seems to be changing at all. So it's not a, it's not a rule book. It's not saying this will always happen. If you wait for this amount of time, then the breakthrough will always come and it will always be like this and you can always sing a song like that. Uh, walking with God is not so predictable in that way. We'll live with both. Every prayer request is not always answered in the same way, in the same fashion, in the same time scale. Sometimes the prayer gets answered when we arrive in glory. And we ask the Lord, why, why was that? Why did I have to go through that? Paul brought a request before God. And he said, I have this thorn in my flesh. And I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. And on that instance, the answer was, I'm not going to take it away from you. My grace is sufficient for you. That's puzzling. But it demonstrates... That we're not called to a, a God who operates kind of mechanically, just automatically. He's not, he's not a, a slot machine that we just put a token in and, and out comes the, the right answer, a kind of vending machine. Um, walking with God is not like that. So the question I've asked is how can we be secure? This psalm, Psalm 125, uh, focuses on absolute certainties. It focuses on things that whatever is going on, uh, are solid, are, are, are dependable. 
And we're just going to look through uh, what this psalm points us to. That we might celebrate with those who celebrate, that we might patiently encourage those who are having to endure when the answer hasn't come. That God would help us as a community do both, do, do all that's in between. Um, and approach God with real faith, whatever the scenario. So here we go. Where is the solid ground this uh, psalm points us to? The first I've entitled this, The Lord Surrounds His People. We see that in verses uh, 1 and 2, when the focus uh, returns very much to Jerusalem. This is the destination of the pilgrim's journey. This is where they're heading to. And in this song, it reminds us that, that Jerusalem is built on Mount Zion. It's built on a hill, roughly speaking, I think 250, no, 2,500 feet above sea level. So not quite Snowdon, um, but not that much beneath. A, a, a hill, a plateau uh, with, with steep valleys, and Jerusalem was built on top of this mount and Mount Moriah as well and a few other kind of little peaks here and there. But on this uh, little mountain tabletop, Jerusalem was built. And Assam comments that that mountain cannot be shaken but endures forever. That position that Jerusalem had meant that it was, uh, it was more secure in the natural. It was uh, easier to defend. Uh, That's what the Jebusites said to David as he approached it to conquer it in the first place. So uh, it wasn't always dwelt in by God's people. Even when David was king, it was still lived in by another nation, the Jebusites. And I think in 2 Samuel chapter 5, we see what they said. If we read from verse 6, the king and his men marched to Jerusalem to attack the Jebusites who lived there. The Jebusites said to David, you'll not get in here. Even the blind and the lame can ward you off. They thought David cannot get in here. Nevertheless, David captured the fortress of Zion, the city of David. So it's a, it's a remarkable uh, military accomplishment. Uh, the people were just very confident. The Jebusites were very confident. We enjoy this, this position. There's no chance you're coming in here. We can ward you off. Um, with, that, with our eyes closed, um, such was the position that uh, it enjoyed. The point of this psalm, however, is that, look, that is there. It's solid. It cannot be shaken. It will endure forever. Whatever is going on around, that mountain is not going anywhere. And then the focus changes slightly. It's still on Jerusalem, but it's like it zooms out a little bit. If you imagine Jerusalem on this little tabletop of mountains with, with steep uh, valleys either side, then surrounding it were other larger mountains, the Mount of Olives being one of them. Um, So Jesus could be on the Mount of Olives near Bethany, and he could look down on Jerusalem because he was uh, in a a higher position. Uh, So Jerusalem was surrounded on all sides by higher mountains uh, than Mount Zion. And so in verse 2, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and and forevermore. I said, that, that's not going to change. These mountains aren't going anywhere. They will remain in this position around uh, Jerusalem. And so 
point is made, those who trust in the Lord are like that. They cannot be shaken, but endure forever. And the Lord surrounds his people both now and forevermore. If you lived in Jerusalem, would you wake up in the morning and nervously look out of the door and think, are the mountains still there? Oh, the mountains are still there. We're okay. It's fine. We can have a good, ordinary, secure day in Jerusalem. Of course, no one would wake up thinking that. It's, they're, they're not going anywhere. They're not moving. They've always been there. They will always be there. As long as this earth exists, Jerusalem is surrounded by these mountains. And this psalm picks that up as an image. In the same way, uh, none of us should be waking up in the morning nervously thinking, is God still there? Is the Lord near? Does the Lord surround? Walking with God means that our security is based on facts rather than feelings. Our feelings vary all the time. We have highs and lows. God doesn't. He doesn't change. Whatever unknowns we face, there is nothing uncertain about God. There is nothing uncertain about what he is like. And there's nothing uncertain about, um, well, every single attribute he has. But um, just to pick on his his love. If we look at 1 John 4, uh, just reading from verse 9, this is how God showed his love among, among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we, all, we also ought to love one another. So he's, he's focused on the fact, he comes to the implication or the, the way it should be worked out in terms of loving others, but see what the firm, solid foundation is. This is how God showed his love among us. Nothing to be debated, nothing that will vary in time, uh, nothing about which we should be uncertain. It ha- has happened that he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So how do we know that God loves us? How do we know that God love surrounds us? We know it by faith in these facts that the Bible Reveals The Bible reveals that God sent his son at just the right time. The Bible tells us that Jesus, uh, outside or just outside Jerusalem, on one of these mountains, was, was crucified for our sin. And on that basis, we know, by faith, that God loves us and will always love us. Nothing changes that so we wake up in the morning we can experience great highs and lows but if our security is found on our feelings then we'll only really want to walk with God or feel that we are walking with God according to what those feelings tell us so on the day that we feel quite bright and bubbly we 
we walk with God. We're aware of God with us. We, we're praying. We're enjoying God's word. And we're, nothing's shaking us. But if, if something's happened that wobbles our, our feelings, then, oh, I'm not, I can't walk with God. I'm not walking with him. I don't really think he's surrounding me. I don't really think he hears me. I don't really think he listens. He might be there for other people, but he's not there for me. And we entertain doubts and fears that we should, by the word of God, just kick firmly into touch. Now, feelings are and can be involved, but that's not where our security comes from. Paul talks in in Romans, again, he goes through the facts. We've been justified by faith. We have peace with God. We've been granted access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. He's talking fact, 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 truth, truth, truth. Solid ground, solid ground. He, he then talks about how the, the love of the Father is poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, there are ways in which God influences our feelings. And we know, and, and welling up within us is this cry, I know I'm his, I know he's my Father. Oh, Abba Father, I'm yours. Feelings are involved. But the foundation are, is, is facts, and facts will never never change. We will know times of real intimacy with the Spirit. We may wake up and have days where we don't feel it. Does that mean God has changed? No. Not at all. Uh, Eugene Peterson puts it in this way. You, you may be familiar with that name if you have a copy of The Message, which is his uh, kind of contemporary paraphrase of the New Testament. Uh, anyway, in another book, he writes this. He says, My feelings are important for many things. They're essential and valuable. They, they keep me aware of much that is true and real, but they tell me next to nothing about God or my relation to him. My security comes from who God is, not from how I feel. So the Lord surrounds his people, walking with God, involves a security that comes from from facts that we believe by faith. What else does this passage speak of? It also speaks of the Lord placing a limit on evil. So how can we be secure? This passage also answers by telling us the Lord limits evil. We see that in verse 3, the scepter of the wicked will not remain over the land allotted to the righteous, or the scepter of the wicked will not settle down and rest upon uh, the land allotted to the righteous. What's the what's a scepter? Big, glorified, shiny stick. That was a symbol of the authority of the king or the queen. So perhaps um, even in our own nation, the queen uh, on on certain significant occasions would be seen not only with a crown but with a royal scepter um, a symbol of authority and, uh, and and power and influence as the uh, as the pilgrims are going on the journey they are singing this as well the scepter of the wicked will not remain you wonder what did they have in mind who were the wicked now, perhaps at different times in their history, there would be a different answer to that question. There would be times when there's a foreign power 
that is ruling over them. So even in Jesus' day, as pilgrims were going up to Jerusalem, they would be aware, not just of the glory of Jerusalem, but they'd be aware everything isn't as it should be. We're, we're occupied by the Romans. Pilate has a house in Jerusalem. A Roman governor really holds the scepter at the moment. Things aren't as they should be, but with the people of God, and we're walking up to this mountain, and we are celebrating the feast, and we're reminding ourselves, though that's the case at the moment, that power won't remain. At other times, it wouldn't so much be a, uh, another nation that holds power over Jerusalem. Actually, at other times, it would be the king of Israel, or the king of Judah, the king himself is evil. The one who is even appointed by God amongst our own people to rule is corrupt, is not following God, is leading the nation in all sorts of ungodly idolatry. Things aren't as they should be. Either there's a a foreign power overwhelming us or right from within us. Ungodliness has grown up. And those wanting to walk with God are confronted with that, even as they go to Jerusalem to celebrate. Either way, here, the promise that is, that we're looking at is that that scenario, the evil scepter of the wicked, will not rest, will not remain over the people. God will not allow this to be forever. Evil is ultimately temporary. It will not prevail. It will not last. Verse 5 tells of of this day that for those who turn to crooked ways, the Lord will banish with the evildoers. There will come a clear-cut end to all evil. That's our steadfast foundation solid ground belief to stand on come what may in this life walking with god our security it's not just not in our feelings it's also not in in our circumstances there will be times when it appears that evil has the upper hand our faith is not that evil will never happen our faith is not that the scepter of the wicked will never have any influence our faith is not that everything will be fine Uh, if we have a look at at romans chapter 8 and uh, some well-known verses there for many no doubt uh, we're reminded in romans 8 and verse 37 no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us what are all these things In all these things. Well, he's spoken just a few verses um, earlier, saying, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Praise God, we don't know many of those phenomena. I doubt, anyway. Um, Persecution, perhaps for some of us. Famine. Maybe sometimes getting food on the table is a struggle, but our nation is not encountering famine right now. Nakedness, danger, well, yeah, maybe dangers, sword, not literally, 
Trouble or hardship? Well, yes, I, I guess so. What, shall any of those things separate us from the love of Christ? No, because they'll never happen. God's people will never experience those things. Oh, really? What about verse 37? No, in all these things. In all these things, we're more than conquerors. Well, how can we be conquerors in all these things happening? It's because we have greater hope. It's because we have greater security. It's because a greater reality has gripped our lives that provides this, this trustworthy, solid ground. Now, come what may, God's love and his power hold hold sway so our security is not in what our life is like whether it's comfortable our security is in what god is like he is in sovereign control so we don't need to sit nervously awaiting spiritual attack as if it's something unusual Um, as if it's something that should threaten our position. Yes, our performance will vary. Our feelings will vary. There'll be times when we are full of zeal and faith and energy for God. There are other times when we question ourselves and we're aware of our frailties and we're aware of our weaknesses. We're aware, quite frankly, sometimes of our apathy. And talk of spiritual attack can somehow loom over it as if it's some greater force. No. God is in control. And even for trials and temptations that we might experience, however powerful, however unpleasant, they will come to an end. They're not permanent. They're not eternal. When Paul writes to the Corinthian church, he says in in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, And verse 13, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. If we're, however, putting our security in in circumstance or we're putting our security in how we feel there'll be moments when we very much doubt those verses when we think this is too powerful for me i can't i can't resist this is inevitable the the scepter of the wicked is too great i think no let's come back to the bible Let's come back not just to how we're feeling in the moment, but let's come back to what the Word of God says. Let's come back to what God is like. Let's come back to to those verses even there, right there in 1 Corinthians 10. Though, Though it feels like hell might be assailing me right now, I can stand in the midst of this, not because of my personal resources, not because of my wonderful consistency in life, but because I trust God. And I trust that he is greater than this trouble. That he is greater than this temptation. And he will not allow me, he will not allow this scepter to come down so heavy on me it never shifts. He's with me, he's surrounding me, and he will lead me. He can, he'll show me 
a route of escape. He'll show me where, how to walk with God. And remembering that walking is just putting one step in front of the other. It's not necessarily a helicopter airlift right away. It's, come this way, follow me. Come left a bit, right a bit. Now, that way. Oh, I can see I'm free. I've got out of that. I've got out of that moment. I've, God has led me out. But we've got a Lord who limits evil. Now, we might ask ourselves a question at that point. If our security is in the facts of what God is like, if our security then is in also God's control over all things, does this make prayer pointless? And what we see or are reminded of in this psalm as well is, well, we see an example, don't we? Of confident, definite prayer. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good. It's a request. But it's modelling the outworking of the truth that that psalm has looked at already. Right in the middle of the psalm, we're aware of, oh goodness, the evil and wickedness that maybe is just kicking off, has grown up right within Jerusalem, let alone outside her borders. This might not even be foreign powers, but right from within. Oh, this isn't how things should be. But what's either side? It begins with this reminder that the Lord surrounds his people. We're encouraged that the Lord places a limit on evil. What it leads to, the fruit that it leads to, is definite prayer. Those who trust in the Lord. Those who are upright in hearts. Those who are, are his people. Those who are walking with God are a praying people who are not whimsically stabbing in the dark. It's definite, it's clear, it's confident, I'm going to pray. And for us, we have the, the even greater confidence of being able to pray in, uh, in Jesus' name. I was rem- reminded recently of another scripture in 1 John uh, chapter 5 and verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. And on it goes. Um, It's talking about the confidence we can have in approaching God. Now, these psalms clearly reveal that, that, again, there's there's no... um, On the one hand, there is... It's not a, a mechanical or automatic process. If I pray a prayer and conclude with the words, in Jesus' name, um, I am you know, genie in a bottle-like, I'm bound to get my, my wishes. God jumps out, what is thy bidding, my master? Now, we, we've seen that in Psalm 123. Now, he's the master. He's the one that we're watching. Um, and waiting, and putting our hope and trust in. So we've seen that, but we need to be reminded as well that that these psalms don't undermine our confidence in praying. They strengthen it. They enhance it. 
Um, I was reading a, a, a book, I oh, still am actually, uh, by a guy called Arthur Wallace, um, from, uh, who wrote a number of years ago, a uh, small book entitled uh, Praying in the Spirit or Pray in the Spirit. Uh, slightly mischievously, um, he, he renders those verses in 1 John 5 a little bit differently, perhaps betraying the way that we sometimes think about prayer. He says, and, and this is the lack of confidence which we have in him. That unless we happen to ask according to his will, he will not hear us and we shall not have our petition. Kind of makes prayer out to be kind of potluck, um, a, a, a very hit and miss exercise. As though the will of God is something that we might happen to stumble upon. Oh, wow, I might just be able to pray about this as a result. Um, and the, But otherwise, in ordinary life, we, we pray a little tentatively, if it's your will, Lord. Well... We're encouraged by the word of God, through the word of God, to see what his will is. That reveals the will of God. And he's given us his Holy Spirit to, to prompt us and lead us and direct us when well, we don't know how to pray. But he's given us the Holy Spirit to help us and to lead us and to guide us. Not just round in circles and circles. Well, maybe this, maybe that, I don't know. Lord, whatever you want to do. Uh, but to, to kind of specifically home in on some things, say, oh, I'm, I'm praying for this, that actually faith does rise for, for robust prayer and knowing the help of God in the midst of it. So the result of this psalm, the result of considering, where does our, where does our security come from? How can we be secure? This psalm just runs through a few things. The Lord surrounds his people. The Lord limits evil and the Lord answers prayer uh, that's in his will. The result is peace. Peace be upon Israel. Uh, The people of God, whatever may be kicking off in the midst, are a people who know peace, who know security, who have found solid ground. This, This is what I'm... This is, what I'm, this is where I'm taking my stand. In the word, this is the reason I'm praying what I am. And, um, and singing is all a part of it. Uh, I spent some time this week a few, with a few leaders and, um, and, with, uh, and with Terry Virgo uh, was, was with us for some time. And uh, uh, sometimes been in those situations where he's, he's preached, obviously, but other occasions when he's answered questions. One of the questions may be appropriate to a man who's nearing his 80s. What, what keeps you going? What keeps you fresh? What keeps you persevering? What keeps you walking with God, in other words? And he's, he commented on a few things. He said, well, I, I read widely, try to kind of feed myself with truth. Um, I benefit from being in, in team, working closely with others. If I get isolated, that's not helpful. So uh, uh, that's what I, uh, benefits me. He spoke about a few other things as, re- as well. But really, he said, what keeps me fresh is I sing a lot. Oh, kind of surprised me. I sing a lot. He said, oh, yeah, I sing, in, uh, I sing in the spirit. Oh, I sing with the spirit. I sing in tongues, but I sing. Um, he quoted uh, George Muller, who I quoted a couple of weeks ago, and uh, apparently George Muller was asked a similar question. 
Uh, he said, my, my chief aim, my, my, my first duty, I think, well, is to feed lots of orphans, find lots of food, build lots of buildings, lead the team. What's, what's his first duty? My first duty is to keep myself happy in God. And apparently, Terry Virgo's way of doing that is by singing. I think, look, we, we, we're being presented with, with songs. Songs that have a massive variety in tone. We started in Psalm 120, which was pretty bleak. We've, we've been in Psalm 124, which is just wonderful. But we're called to be a singing people, a praying people, because we are a secure people. Who knows what will happen as a result of this nation voting on Thursday, this week? We're invited to put our security in a particular arrangement. It might be that security for one side of the argument is to do with um, immigration and controlling borders and, and for another side uh, compact campaigning security we're encouraged to put our security in the economy or, or something else you know, Try work out really where you think the nation will be more secure what makes you feel more secure? well I'm going this way, I'm going that way we're invited to place our security in, in, a, in, a, in a human arrangement this psalm says no don't place your security there don't place your security on what your government is like. Don't place your security on how secure, on how secure your job is. Don't place uh, security on, uh, on the, the freedoms that we enjoy by virtue of being part of this nation, which means that we don't encounter a huge amount of persecution or famineness, famine or nakedness or sword. Let's give thanks for this nation we live in, but let's not put our security on it. And let's not put our security in, in how strong we feel physically, in our health, um, or our kind of emotional norm when we wake up in the morning. I can pray today because I'm top of the world. I can pray today because I feel physically fit. I can, I can pray because I performed quite well recently, actually. Have you seen what, what grades I got in my GCSEs? Or whatever it might be. I, I, I feel confident because I've been regarded as successful in some way in the world. No. Well, if that's the case right now, that's, that's wonderful. But we're inconsistent, aren't we? Well, most of us are inconsistent. We are up. We are down. But God never changes. These Psalms point to who... He is and what he's like. That's where we find our security. That's what leads us to walking with him. That's what leads us to putting our faith in him. That's what leads us to be a people who sing. That's what leads us to be a people who pray. That's what leads us to celebrate with those who celebrate. That's what leads us to supporting and loving one another through thick and thin. When actually, goodness me, it's still, the prayer's still not got answered. That's not changed yet. But we believe God and we encourage one another and we, we look to him. Amen? Amen. Let's worship God together, shall we? Let's just take a moment to uh, respond. We'll, we'll conclude the meeting in a moment and go and grab a drink and, uh, and all the rest of it, but I'd just like to pray for us. just like to pray for people uh, particularly who
Well, I suppose it's a little bit like this. Sometimes we can have uh, confidence in the meeting. We kind of get the benefit of the camaraderie and the fellowship of being together. Yeah, that kind of lifts us a bit. But it's when the, the doors are closed at home. It's those mundane moments. Those are the occasions where we face the battle in our minds and in our hearts for confident prayer. Some of us can be uh, can have a tendency to want to base God's love on has that ache and pain gone? Have I been healed? Has this big issue got resolved? Oh, I'm still having to go through it. I'm still having to wait. Oh, and it causes doubts or it causes fears uh, to emerge. I want to pray that our our eyes are in the right direction. As the pilgrims were heading to Jerusalem, it was a reminder, not just of the security of being within certain city walls, oh, I'll feel safe then because I'm going to Jerusalem. It's No, it's what God is like. I'm going to trust him and he's surrounding, he's surrounding me, whatever the condition of my heart, or whatever the condition of the city, he surrounds me like those mountains surround Jerusalem. Father God, thank you for the confidence that we can have. Thank you for the the facts that we do know of a Savior's atoning sacrifice, demonstrating once and for all your unshakable love. Not that your love is just in the past. God loved us when he sent Jesus. No, that's the demonstration of the love that he has right now that never changes, that never gets undermined, that no army can besiege and or destroy. It can't be touched. It's ever new. And we see it in a death and a resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. It brings security to pray there. Father God, I pray that you would, whatever the circumstances of life, you would help us. Like Terry, like George Muller, like others, say, actually, what's my number one goal today? It's to keep myself happy in God to keep myself in the love of God as it says in Jude 21 to, to, to remind myself of the facts to remind myself of the ground that is absolutely rock solid there are so many times when I wobble but the ground doesn't that can't be shaken the mountain doesn't get shaken Father I pray Lord again Lord come and restore personal and private prayer come and invigorate our own walk with God yes we have these moments all together singing your praise the the benefit of being together but when the doors are closed we're vulnerable to focus on our feelings or focus on our circumstance Lord when the doors are closed Father that our minds and our hearts would be open again to what, who you are, what you're like, and all that you 
have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.